Welcome to the Montgomery Community Church Podcast. Thank you so much for listening today. We hope this message encourages you and inspires you to grow deeper in your faith. If you'd like to learn more about MCC, you can visit our website at mcc.church. It's so good to be here this morning. What an incredible weekend. Are we not thankful for today and yesterday? Wow. Well, I got up yesterday morning and walked out on our back deck, went back inside, got a hot cup of coffee, sat there on the back deck, and it just felt like I was on the beaches of Lake Michigan. It was, it was pretty amazing. Pretty amazing. I hope you enjoyed that and enjoy it today. I'm so glad that you're here. And we continue now in this series. We're almost done, just a few weeks left. Why I believe. And we're doing this series because it's so important to know why you believe what you believe. Because if you don't know why you believe what you believe in our culture with so many competing voices, it's easy to just start believing something else. We need to be rooted in our faith. Do you know why you believe what you believe? Well, next weekend, just want to give you a little bit of a highlight next weekend. We're going to talk about marriage. We're going to talk about culture. We're going to talk about, you know, what leads to marriage, the dating world out there, the dating world out there. And you know what? I mean, we live in a world that's operating so radically different from what we're used to, what we've seen before. So we're going to talk about dating. We're going to talk about marriage. We're going to talk about the winds of culture that are impacting marriage in our world today. And so if you have children, and some of you bring children with you sometimes on the weekend, next weekend may be a weekend that you want to put them in our children's ministry, uh, because we're going to do a deep dive. So get ready, bring your friends, we're going to talk about some important stuff. So come prepared next weekend as we talk about that. But for today, first of all, I just want to say happy Father's Day. I'm a dad, it's an honor to be a father, and if you're a father, you know what I'm talking about. And we all have fathers, since we're all here, and when you think about your dad, I don't know what comes to mind for you, whether it's, it's just wonderful, uh, whether you didn't have a father, uh, whether it was a trying relationship, I really don't know. But for me, when I was growing up, my dad was disabled when I was like 10 years old. And so he never worked again. As a result, my dad was never able to do the kinds of things that a father would do with a son. I don't really have memories of us doing things together because he was constantly in pain, constantly in the hospital. We just didn't have that kind of relationship. Thankfully, God put other men into my life that became fathers to me. And I went on their family vacations with them. I mean, we rode mini bikes together, played basketball and football together. But my dad, don't, I just don't have those memories. In fact, my dad came to faith a little bit later, in his later 20s, but what I did see was how God changed him over time. Because of all his pain, there was a lot of anger and a lot of words that were really hard to take in. But over the years, I saw God change him and soften him. And so when I look back at my father's life, he passed some 20 years ago, there was one gift he gave me, the most important gift of all, I would say, the gift of Jesus. He gave me Jesus. He showed me Jesus, and I'm thankful. And when it comes to Christ, most of the world has heard of him. In fact, many people have been impacted by Christ, even if they didn't realize it or not, right? Because it's due to the very movement that bears Christ's name 
that our country was originally blessed with hospitals and universities and a view that all people, no matter if they are male or female, black, brown, or white, are equal in value. That's Jesus. And so while we celebrate Juneteenth this weekend and the fact that all people are valuable, so we should all be free and we should all really love one another, when I think about that idea that we are all valuable in the eyes of God, that's Jesus. And perhaps that's why Jesus is one of the most recognized figures in the world, even though we don't really know what he actually looked like. It's kind of amazing when you think about it. And as you're doing that, think about this. Jesus made a worldwide impact, even though he never held a political office, never wrote a book, never married, and never attended college. Even so, Jesus turned our world upside down. And why was he able to do that? Well, because this isn't our world. It's his. And even so, some people have come to view Jesus in different ways over the, over the years. For example, medieval Catholics view Jesus as the founder of the Catholic Church. Protestants view Jesus as a revolutionary against institutional religion. Socialists view Jesus as one who values the community over the individual. And capitalists view Jesus as the founder of free enterprise. Anabaptists, well, they view Jesus as a pacifist. How do you view Jesus? When you think about Christ, who is he? You know, many Christians, they say, well, I follow Jesus. And today, given our culture, I just want to ask us all, are we? Are we following Jesus? The idea of following Jesus is, you know what? He's right there before me, and I get up every morning, and I say, Jesus, what is my next step with you? How do I serve you today? Because there's nothing better than you. Oh, there's nothing better than you, so why would I look anywhere else? That's following Jesus. Are you following Jesus? I'm asking that question this weekend because when I look around at our culture and I look at Christians in our culture today, I see us many times treating Jesus a bit differently. So how do you view Jesus? Because one popular way, even though people don't say this, they exemplify it in their lives, they, they treat Jesus like he's a qualified consultant. A qualified consultant. A consultant is a person who provides expert advice. Now, if you've ever been in the business world, you've been exposed to a consultant or two. Usually they come in because your company can't quite get something right or they're struggling in some way. And so they hire a consultant because they've helped many others before. And so that consultant comes in and they, they come into your world and they observe, they listen, and then they reflect everything. And, and eventually, they provide what they believe to be the solution that's going to address your primary problem. Now, those who seek a consultant's advice have at least three options once they hear what that consultant has to say. First, they can just ignore it. They can ignore their advice. I've seen this before where, you know, they paid money for someone to come in and basically says, well, thank you, but we're not going to do any of that. But thank you. And this is how many have really responded to Jesus. Rather than see really value in him and following him and his teachings, they've chosen to listen to their own voice instead. Some of you have been doing that. Some of you know the pain of what that means for you even right now as you sit here or you're watching online. They, they ignore their advice. Some accept 
their advice. Now, this doesn't mean you're doing anything with it, right? It just means, you know what, I'm, I'm keeping an open mind. Thank you for what you're saying. It sounds pretty good. I want to think about this some more, maybe talk about it with some others. And this is how many people have responded to Jesus. They accept many of his teachings as good or even helpful for many people. Teachings like, a new command I give you, love one another. As I have loved you, so you must love one another. Well, love is a good thing. We need more love, so that sounds pretty good. Or how about this one? The greatest among you will be your servants. That's quite a statement. And if we're honest, well, well, not everyone in the room will think that the greatest person in the room is a servant. Everyone thinks that serving is a good thing. So that's pretty good. And then there's this one. Do to others as you would have them do to you. Some might believe this to be an incredible motto for people to live by generally without applying those words to their lives specifically. And this leads to a third way that people sometimes respond to a consultant. They ignore their advice. They accept their advice. You'll keep an open mind. And still others implement some of their advice. Some. Notice that word because some doesn't mean all. You see, when people implement some of a consultant's advice, they do so because they believe that while that other person is the expert, I am the expert that knows what really works best for me. So they choose selectively. It's kind of like one young woman who wrote me just recently. She said, I don't believe in God in the way that I was raised. Technically, I guess I'd be considered agnostic and definitely not Christian. Although, I do think the teachings of Jesus were good, and I do try to live by the essence of his teachings. But, I know that believing that Jesus is the Son of God and the Messiah and that he was raised from the dead is essential to Christianity, therefore I cannot claim to be a Christian. It's an honest response. It's an honest response. And this person is on a quest to live some kind of moral life, but for her, in order to do that, only, she only needs to listen to some of Christ's teachings, not all of them. So she chooses selectively. And we can look at that and we think, okay, but here's the reality. For many Christians, we kind of respond in the same way. There are many Christians today that don't apply all of Christ's teachings to their lives. Let's be honest. Rather than love God, they love only certain aspects of God, like his love or his grace but his judgment don't like that, so I'm going to kind of make God in my own image. Or rather than love their neighbor, they love themselves. Or rather than serve the hurting, they only serve to make their lives more and more comfortable. So they only implement some of what Christ has said. You see, just like the agnostic, doing so helps them live a somewhat better life without truly upsetting their life. So is this you? Do you treat Jesus like he's your consultant? Not following him going, oh, there's nothing better than you. Oh, Jesus, what, what do you, what, what's your advice for me? Okay, that, that sounds pretty good. I'm not sure about that. Thank you very much. Is he your consultant? There's another way I see Christians treat Jesus today. And it'll take a while to explain, so hold on uh, to this. They treat Jesus as an optional voice. Is an optional voice. And what am I talking about? When the Gospels, Jesus referred to himself not only as a shepherd, but as the good shepherd. And since he is the good shepherd, that makes us what? Sheep. Sheep are not smart. They stink. 
right? And, and sheep, you know, they, they are kept in a sheep pen because left to themselves, who knows what in the world that they would do. And so it's this idea of a sheep pen that Jesus says, the one who enters by the gate is the shepherd of the sheep. The gatekeeper opens the gate for him and the sheep listen to his voice. He calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. So notice a couple things here. First of all, Jesus is both the good shepherd, but he's also the gatekeeper, the door to the sheep pen. Jesus calls the sheep by name since he knows them, loves them, and he cares for them. And as a result of this ongoing relationship, they then know the sound of his voice. Because his voice, they've, they've learned, is a good voice. It's a reliable boy, voice. It's a trusted voice. And then Jesus adds, after he, Jesus, has gathered his own flock, he walks ahead of them, and they follow him because they know his voice. And here Jesus repeats himself again, just to make sure we actually understand his full intent that the sheep recognize the sound of his voice because he is the good shepherd, he is their good shepherd. They are in a relationship with him and so they follow him step by step because there's nothing better than you, nothing better than you. Is he your everything? Are you really following him? Because if we have this strong bond with him, we're gonna relate with something that Jesus says next in verse five. But they will never follow a stranger. In fact, they will run away from him because they do not recognize a stranger's voice. Again, many who call Jesus their good shepherd, they can relate to this because there are so many strange voices in our culture today. These voices are all over the place. I'm sure you're hearing some of them. Strange voices that say, you know what, if a friend doesn't fully agree with you, cancel them. You're saying, you know what, I followed the good shepherd, I'm not listening to that voice. No, 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 that's not what he would do. Or if your church doesn't openly teach your brand of politics, find a different church. You're saying, you know what, I followed the good shepherd, I'm not listening to that strange voice because Jesus Christ and the gospel is not about my political party, it is about the cross about Christ crucified, that he is the way, the truth, and the life. I'm not gonna listen to those voices. And here's another one that's popular. If you think you need to live in Christian community, you're wrong. You can do just fine walking with Jesus all by yourself. You say, I'm not gonna listen to that voice. After all, why did Jesus say we needed a sheep pen? I'm not gonna hang out there all by myself, right? A pen is meant for community. We gather together. I'm not gonna listen to that. But we sometimes do listen to another voice. Think about this. It's why Jesus told the parable of the lost sheep. Why would he do that? It's also why he told the parable of the prodigal son. Because there was another voice they listened to that was not strange to them. That's why they followed it. And one of the reasons why we sometimes listen to this other voice is because it's not the voice of a stranger. It's a voice we know very well. What do I mean? Well, I mean that we either do whatever our own voice tells us to do because that's what we want, or we attribute the sound of our own voice to someone else. Someone wrote recently, another sheep fellow follower, said, when someone begins a sentence with God told me, I have to admit a silent alarm goes off somewhere inside me, unless the phrase is followed by a verse of scripture. 
I know that many see this as the way the Christian life is supposed to work. That if we are really in fellowship with God, we'll be able to sense him speaking to us through an inner voice. But I'm not so sure. And it's not because I think God is incapable of or uninterested in speaking to his people today. In fact, I resist this language precisely because God is speaking to his people today. He speaks to us through the scriptures. That's pretty good advice, even if it does come from a fellow sheep. And even so, some sheep think, okay, well, the Bible's great. I try to read it as often as I can. I try to apply the lessons given to those people way back then to my life here today. But when God speaks to me in the here and now, those words take on greater significance, so I have to follow what it says. Nancy goes on to write, when we read the scriptures, we are not just reading a record of what God has said in the past. God actively speaks to us in the here and now through the words of this amazing book. And she's really going right back to scripture. Hebrews 4, and it says, the word of God is alive and active. It's not something for the past, it's something for the here and now. Sharper than any double-edged sword, it penetrates even to dividing soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts and the attitudes of the heart. But let's be honest. Some sheep, they don't want scripture to judge the thoughts and attitude of their heart. That's why it's easier to credit God with what they tell themselves. And as a byproduct, you can sound really spiritual when you do it. But we gotta be careful. And now, please don't mishear me. I do believe that God speaks to us today by his Holy Spirit. I believe God speaks to us today. I do. But here's the thing. As I've learned more and more in my life, God speaks to us today in the same way he spoke to people back then. It's not some radical different thing. No, no, no. He speaks to us in the same way. And what am I talking about? Well, in the Bible, you can know this. If you're thinking, well, did God really say this to me? Well, in the Bible, he always called someone to embrace something difficult that didn't seem to bless them personally, but certainly blessed many others. And in those moments, God's word to that person was hard for them to swallow. Think about Moses. God says, here's what I want you to do. Moses is like, I got a boatload of excuses for you because I don't want to do that. Your words are hard for me to swallow. Don't want to do that. Even Mary first asked, how could this be? I'm going to bear the son. How could this be? That's hard for me to swallow. Certainly served as a blessing to many others. It's why Peter didn't go to share the gospel with a Gentile. He's like, God, that's hard to swallow. I hate them. I don't want to share the gospel with them. That's hard for me to swallow. Yes, when God spoke to someone in Scripture, he called him to raise something difficult that served as a blessing to others. It was hard for them to swallow personally. Many times when I hear Christians today say, well, God told me, it's pretty much always the opposite. It's a blessing to them, but often hard for other people to swallow. After all, did God really tell you to buy a more luxurious home than the one you already have? Really? Did God really tell you to stop giving to the church or to charities so you can have more for yourself and give whenever you feel led? Did God really tell you it's okay to sleep with someone who is not your spouse because doing so makes you happy? Did God really tell you that serving those in need is a great thing for others to do? God just hasn't called you to do that. Really. It's in those times we should humble ourselves. We should join with a psalmist who said, you know what? I have gone astray like a lost sheep. 
I've gone astray like a lost sheep. And I want you to notice something here. Take a look at that passage. On one side of the coin, the psalmist finally admitted to doing what he wanted to do or attributing, you know, like God told me to do this. On the other side of the coin, it took him 176 verses to reach that conclusion. (laughs) Friends, don't wait so long. Don't wait so long. Don't live like Jesus is a qualified consultant or Jesus is some kind of optional voice. Rather follow him because there's nothing better than you. Nothing better than you. Oh, there's nothing. Nothing is better than you. That leads to the third option, which should always be our first option. Jesus is my only rabbi. My only rabbi. Now, a rabbi in the Old Testament and the New Testament, that would be somebody who taught others. And they would have their own followers. Now, there were many rabbis back then that taught many different things. And the same holds true today. We have many rabbis in our culture. They just look different and they sound different. But they're teaching all the time. We have the rabbi of social media. Boy, is it teaching. Are you listening? Are you following? We have the rabbi of cable news. It says, go this way or this way, but not this way because there's nothing better than you. We're getting divided. And think about this. There is the rabbi of the university classroom. Parents pay thousands of dollars so their kids can go to college, and yet what do they get? An education in, in some of the subjects, but they get an education in how to live life radically differently than what the Bible says. We've got to be careful. And there's a rabbi of podcasts that are out there, all kinds of podcasts teaching different things that don't agree with each other. Then, of course, there's a rabbi of my own opinion. I could go on and on. But Jesus said, in order to follow him as our rabbi, he said, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. Jesus here makes a statement far removed from serving him serving as our consultant or some kind of convenient voice. Rather, we are to deny ourselves. What does that mean? People are confused sometimes. Let me talk about what it doesn't mean. It doesn't mean you ignore your desires. Because the Bible's clear. Delight yourself in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. So it means that if your heart's desire is truly focused on the Lord, that all the other desires will naturally flow out of that relationship. You will have desires to, to be pure and honest and helpful and glorifying to God. So denying yourself doesn't mean ignoring your desires, nor does it mean ignoring yourself. Because God made you. He made you with a purpose. He loves you. You're not to ignore yourself, but here's the thing. When we're honest in our honest moments... Because we know our thoughts, because sometimes we even know our motivations, it can be easy to kind of set ourselves aside and think that anything that originates with us is somehow suspect, so we just got to kind of do away with that. Sometimes that's, that's true. But Jesus is talking about something different here. Deny, in the Greek, disassociation with a particular relationship. Disassociation with a particular relationship. For example, when Peter denied Jesus right before Jesus went to the cross, Peter was denying an association with Jesus. He didn't know him, he said. So when Jesus says to deny yourself, he's really asking you a question. He's asking me a question. What other relationships have you formed with something or someone that take priority over your relationship with me? 
How would you answer that question? And how might your true answer to that question impact your life now and impact your future? Because I think one way we can tell is by what we spend our time with, what we're listening to, how much we listen to them, and where does Jesus fit into all of that? So Jesus wants us to strongly grapple with who we're mostly associated with. And friends, it's really hard to do in this me-centered world we live in, but once we deny ourselves and we disassociate with any kind of competing relationship, Jesus wants us to die to ourselves. So Jesus here makes a strong statement about the cross before he went to the cross. Why would he do that? Well, in the Roman world, anyone who went to the cross did so because they had really rebelled against Roman authority. The result of you know, rebelling against Roman authority, it cost them their lives. So by making this statement, Jesus wants us to realize that every single one of us, myself included, we have rebelled as, as well. Not against Roman authority, but we have rebelled against God's authority in our lives. And since we have, we must die to ourselves, take up the cross daily with our lives. Because the Bible says that all have sinned, all have rebelled against God. That's why we need to repent. We need to repent. We must die to our pride, die to our own ways of doing things. And so when Jesus calls for self-denial and cross-bearing, he's saying that in order to follow him, we must walk in allegiance to him as our rabbi. It means that our allegiance to him is not occasional, right? It's daily. It's exclusive because there's nothing better than you. Are you following him like that? What does it look like for him to be your rabbi? I asked a couple of guys right before the service to come up, and they had no idea I was going to ask them to do anything. Um, but here they come. Can we uh, thank them for uh, kind of volunteering? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, this is great. This is great. And, and now, just for the sake of demonstration here today, I want us to go back 2,000 years ago. I want you to pretend like I'm 10 years old. I know that's a lot to ask. I'm 10 years old, and there are different rabbis in town. And so this is Rabbi Mordecai. Okay. And this is Rabbi Yaakov. Okay? Uh, can you say good morning to everyone here? Just say good morning. Good morning, everyone. Thank you. And can you do the same? Good morning, everyone. Oh, wow. Thank you. And so... So what I'm going to do is I'm 10 years old, and I've got different rabbis. I've got Mordecai, Yaakov. And I, I'm, the first thing I'm doing is I'm looking around because I want to follow one. I can only follow one, by the way. I'm going to go, what do I want at the end of the day? Do I want my voice to sound like his or his? Because if I follow him, I'm going to learn so much, I'm going to talk and sound just like him, or I'm going to sound just like him. And that includes kind of the, the, the humbleness that they exude when they speak. It includes how they value people when they speak. So I'm listening really carefully. Do I want to sound more like Mordecai or Yaakov? And then I'm also, as a child, I'm going to watch to see how they eat. Because that's how I'm going to eat. Because I'm going to model my life after him or him. So... If he's kind of sloppy when he eats, I'm going to be more attracted to him, right? I'm going to look at this, and then I'm going to listen to what Mordecai teaches, and then I'm going to listen to what Yaakov teaches. I'll go, okay, which one am I going to listen to? 
And then I reach that point where I'm like, okay, I'm nervous, and I go up to Rabbi Yaakov and I say, can I follow you? And you would say what? Yes. Yes, but he might not because he's also been watching me. He's also been watching me and maybe I'm not worthy to follow him. Maybe he looks at me and I don't really have what's needed to be like him. You might say no. And then I'm stuck with Rabbi Mordecai over here, right? Um, But that's that's how that works. But what did Jesus do? He said, come follow me. Come follow me. You know what? You're not worthy to follow me. We all know that. So I'm taking you from where you are, and if you follow me every single day, you're gonna look more and more like me. Do you follow Jesus like that? Do you? Because here's what we're doing in our Christian culture. I'm gonna follow Yaakov on Monday, because he's a really good podcaster. And I'm gonna follow Mordecai on Tuesdays, you know, because I do like his teaching. And on Wednesday, I'm gonna listen to the rabbi of social media. On Thursday, I'm gonna listen, you know, to the rabbi of my favorite news channel. On Friday, I'm gonna listen to myself. And, you know, by the time I get to Sunday, I give Jesus Sunday. He's my rabbi on Sunday. And Jesus, no, 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 no. You gotta make a choice. And it's exclusive. Stop messing around. Don't say you're following me if you're just treating me like a consultant or some kind of optional voice or some kind of optional rabbi in your life. Who are you following? Thank you. Who are you following? Because once we've denied ourselves, we've died to ourselves, we live for him. That's why Jesus said, for whoever wants to save their life will lose it. And this means that if we try to live our lives in our own way, by our own choices, we're gonna die a little bit more every single day. And one day we will face eternal death, far removed from the God who made us and loves us. But here's the good news of the gospel. But whoever loses their life for me in the gospel will save it. So when we repent, when we follow Jesus because there's nothing better than you, we choose life every day. Every day, and when we die, we live forever. That's why I believe in following Jesus. For when we follow Jesus, we live for Jesus, which means ultimately we live for all time. I believe in following Jesus, for only Jesus can bring life. Has he brought you life? Has he brought you life? Or have you been treating him like he's your consultant? He's your optional voice. He's your optional rabbi. What does it mean to follow him exclusively? I believe in following Jesus. Do you? You just bow your heads right now, even online where you are. I think there's at least three responses to that question. If you're listening going, you know what? Yeah, Jesus is one of my my optionals. He's not my only. You might say a prayer that says, Jesus, thank you for your love for me. Forgive me. 
In essence, I've treated you like I know more because I've made you optional. Forgive me, Lord. I want to follow you all the days of my life because there's nothing better, no one better than you. There might be those here today that say, you know, Jesus, you are my only rabbi. I love you, but Lord, help me every single day because in the midst of this culture with so many competing voices, it can be easy to be led astray. So Lord, help my, my eyes to be focused. Help my heart to just, just pound after you, love you with everything I've got. And then there's others who would say today, you know what, I haven't really followed Jesus. He's certainly been one of the options, but I, I need him to be my only. My life's a mess. And you know what, even my successes are, seem like nothing right now because I, I don't know the one who, who loves me, who died for me. You might say a prayer that says, Jesus, thank you. Thank you for dying on the cross for me. Lord, forgive me. It's my desire to follow you all the days of my life. That I would love you more and obey you more. That I would be a child of God. This is my prayer. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. DJ, can you come up here? DJ did know he was going to be coming up here this morning. It didn't surprise him. DJ has a book out in the lobby that he's written. And he has a life story he wants to share with you, and I think it's a powerful life story. And so let me start this way. What was your inspiration for writing that book that's out in the lobby right now? My life story, mm -hmm. <laughs> uh, honestly. Um, to, to grow up and then become a fatherless father. Grew up without a dad. A father who knew me but never owned me. A pastor who would stand on a podium like this. Okay, but didn't own me. And as I matured and then became a father and there were connections with, with men all over the country and I began to understand that there are many men walking the face of this earth who are fathering but were not fathered. Yeah. And looking at my life and, and experiences from my mother and my grandfather who was my dad until uh, 14 when, when he passed away and really understanding that there is one, a testimony in that, that what is in my life and has been in my life could be a blessing. I initially thought it would be to young men and young boys who looked like me. But uh, as of today, as far as Germany and black, white, brown, all colors, nationalities are uh, writing reviews and sending me notes about how impactful watching what happened through my life has resonated with them and made them think about themselves. And the workbook is accompanying the book for the purpose of what's going to happen when you read it, mm -hmm. right? The, the, the team of editors, Christian editors that, that worked on the book with me would call me at different intervals, crying, laughing, or angry <laughs> uh, because of the emotions that were pulled from them as they were reading the book. And then the workbook, the workbook was birthed. Mm -hmm. So forgiveness is big. We carry trauma from when we're children that we may not know and don't realize, and it unlocks when we're adults. And we carry that into all of our relationships. We carry that into how we lead, how we serve, um, and how we love people. Yeah. 
So just to clarify, your father was a pastor mm-hmm. who never recognized you as a son. Absolutely. A lot of pain in that. A lot of pain. A lot of pain. And it, 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 yeah. worked, it worked out to a place to where I really had to consider therapy at one point because it was controlling how I lived my life because I never thought I was good enough. How did following Jesus help you in that regard? Oh, the father to the fatherless. (laughs) He helped me to understand that when no one was there, he'd be there. That when I felt alone, I was never alone because he was always there. And uh, to really walk through this process, uh, Jesus was always there. God was always there in my life. And I titled it, Call Me Ishmael, Defying the Odds, because although Ishmael's legacy was divisive, and, and to tear apart, mine was to unite mm-hmm. and to create great atmospheres and create good relationships. And that's the anointing and gift that God has given me that I could unite people no matter where they're from. If God puts me in the room, I'm there for a purpose. And he showed me that. So that's been the blessing in my life for me to be able to understand what my mission is in spite of my beginnings. Because better is the end of a thing. In the beginning thereof, as the scripture tells us. Amen. Amen. So what do you hope people get? If they buy this book and you know, the workbook, what do you hope they will eventually learn or implement in their life? I'm hoping that people see their authentic self as they read through the book, as they understand. You'll read my life story, and, and your life story won't necessarily mirror that. But you'll be able to say, oh, I know someone like that, or I have a a nephew like that, or I have uh, someone in my life, and I've experienced this to some degree. And then you say, okay, who do I need to forgive? Mm -hmm. How do I live for God in the best way that I can without carrying this baggage from my life? And then as they see their authentic self, I'll say this. My prayer is that then they would be uh, selfish enough to do the work to be a better person. Loving enough to tell the people in their circle that they're going through this journey and then be stubborn enough not to let anyone talk them out of bettering themselves. Mm -hmm. And God will be with you along the way through each and every phase of that process. And we do that by following Following Jesus. Jesus. Absolutely. DJ's life is one that says, you know what? I didn't have a father who recognized me. But I have a father who knows me. Mm -hmm. Who loves me. Who cherishes me. He is our good, good father. Thanks for listening. You can stay connected throughout the week by following Montgomery Community Church on Facebook and Instagram. For more information about MCC, visit our website at mcc.church.